we, we've been looking for a long time at the seed. And in particular, one, one scripture, I read it about every week, and, it, and it's so much to this study. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And if, and just to capture minds back into that, if God had just said Israel is my son, it would have been one thing. But when he uses the term firstborn, it brings a whole different thing into view. And we're going to recap this a little bit, and we're going to move forward. We're ultimately going to move into the book of Ephesians 1 and the inheritance we have in Christ. We may start touching on that in the next lesson. I don't, I don't know that I have time to get there tonight because I have a lot of scripture. But just to catch your mind back for a moment, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And, you, and we've walked this through with Isaac of how Abraham offered up Isaac. And Isaac in type was received from the dead. Not in reality, but in type. That Abraham believed God was able to raise him from the dead. So Abraham believed God was going to raise him from the dead, right? So we have that in type and shadow there. And then, and then you go to the next part of this, and you have all of Israel eating a lamb in the book of Exodus. So the whole house in type and shadow partook of the lamb. So all of Israel, all in type and shadow, all of Israel was firstborn from the dead because they did not come out of Egypt unless they ate the lamb. That's so important to understand. And it's so important today because there's a lot of doctrines out here that says, well, everybody's saved. Everybody's going to be saved. Everybody's this. Everybody's that. Firstborn is from the dead. And it's, it, it, and it's, so, it's such a big deal. Because, because Jesus raising from the dead, becoming the firstborn from the dead, the only way he could raise from the dead is to be raised up by the Spirit of God. The only way you become firstborn is being quickened together with him, is by eating the lamb. Just like the Israelites had to go in and eat the lamb, we have to eat the lamb. That's the way it is. If we don't eat the lamb, we're not in the firstborn. That's the way it works. So we partake of the lamb. We eat Christ. And eating him, we are raised up. Ephesians 2 tells us this that we are quickened with him, raised with him, and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. Now that's firstborn. That's out from the dead. So all of Israel had to eat the lamb. They all had to enter into the house. They all had to 
partake of it. They all had to go the way. None of them could go any other way. They didn't, part of them decide, I'm going to take a journey around the other side and come into the promised land. No, they had to go the way. <laughs> so, so the way was set forth by the Lord, even in type and shadow. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I am the way. I, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, being led by the Spirit, coming from the way, coming into the way, seeing the truth, and coming into the life. And that's the goal. That's the goal of inheritance, that we live in his life. That's inheritance, folks. When you, when you sum it all up, what are we talking about in inheritance is living in the life of Christ, Christ living in me. What does it mean living in the life of Christ? The awareness of our soul, of our mind, being one with the Lord. See, Jesus just didn't say words. When he said that they may be one as we are one, I and them, thou and me, those weren't just nice words he said. See, Jesus, when he walked in the earth, he was aware of God dwelling in him. He was, he was in a conscious, I believe, state of being that God was his life. He didn't try to work God up. You know, he, he didn't have to work God up at all because he was one with the Father. He was, he was speaking. He would say, the words I speak, they're not mine. They're the Father's. And, the, and how does that happen? But awareness of the Lord. That's what I believe God is after is an awareness. It's, it's like we, we, we've taught for years, and I've said this before. As Brother Jimmy Lewis would say on this program, <laughs> but I've said it here, I've said it in our local fellowship. There's there's this understanding that God is in you. You know, Christ lives in you. There's this understanding we've come to. But is Christ living in me? Is He living in me? I'm not saying is He in me. Is He living in me? is the life that I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God. Now, these are, these are questions. They're not questions to condemn us. They are questions that, that the Lord needs to deal with our hearts with. See, see one, one thing the Lord does that's so beautiful is he always brings us back to view of this relationship. You know, when you look at Abraham, in Abraham's walk with God, Abraham, you could say, failed God a few times in the flesh, right? You all hear me okay? Yeah. So Abraham failed God a few times in the flesh. Now, when Abraham would turn his heart to the Lord, I don't read in the scripture where the Lord said to Abraham, you dirty, rotten scoundrel, you failed. I don't find that. He brought Abraham back to view of purpose. 
And he did that multiple times. Lift up now thine eyes. You know, Abraham, in one place, it says he come back to the altar. And God dealt with him back to the purpose. Unto thy seed will I give this land. So sometimes, you know, we get distracted, right? And God will bring us back to purpose, to the seed, to the plan of God, to, to what God is after. Because God is after his seed in you and I. That's what he's after. He's after you and I to be in his seed, to be one with Christ. And the only way that can be accomplished is Christ being our life, because we don't have the ability in ourselves to do that. That's why the, that's why the Bible can be aggravating, <laughs> because, because there's this part of us that'll say when we, when we read the word, well, I'm going to accomplish this. And, and we'll miss the little thing Jesus says, abide in the vine. <laughs> Unless you abide in the vine, you can't bear fruit. And, and, and that little thing he says is a big deal because everything about relationship is abiding in Christ. Everything about our walk is living out of the abundance of his life. Now, that's the good news that you're in the abundance of his life, that you're inheriting his life. That's really good news. That's what God is after is his life manifest in the earth. And to come to his life, there has to be a resurrection from the dead. Why does there have to be a resurrection from the dead? Because if there's not a resurrection from the dead, you're in the dead. You're not coming to God's life without a resurrection. See, see if, we would, if we would understand resurrection simply being raised out of the old into the new, we would be getting somewhere. That, that we would see that, that we in ourselves don't possess the life of God in ourselves. Okay? But in Christ, we possess the life of God. In Christ, we are raised, we are made alive by the life of God. When he says you're quickened with him, that is by the life of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has raised us, quickened us, made us alive with and in Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what he's done. And that's our inheritance, is what's in him. So, so we have to come to reckon the death. And that's where a lot of believers don't want to come to, is wrecking the old man dead. I don't want to reckon it dead. It's like, it's like Abraham with Ishmael. I was looking at this last night, and I don't know if I'm going to read the scriptures as in. I'm just going to go with what's coming before me, but it's like Abraham with Ishmael. Abraham said, let Ishmael live before you. And God, of course, said no. 
that produced of you, Abraham, isn't going to live before me. And you know, that's all in type and shadow. Ishmael may have been a great man, you know, as far as natural men go. But in type and shadow, what was produced of Abraham wasn't going to live in the resurrection. See, see, if we see Isaac as the resurrection, that Abraham received his son back from the dead. When he took him up to the mount of the mount for offering, if we see that in type and shadow, he was a type of the resurrection. Then you then you begin to see that in Isaac shall they be called, because they all had to walk through death. All the Israelites had to come into the door in type and shadow. They all had to come out in the light of the new day, in the light of resurrection. They couldn't come out the door without a new day. And when they came out, the old was gone. It was over. It was dead. Even though it pursued them, it, it was no more. Now, we dealt with this a few weeks ago. It was still where at in them. And this is where the truth comes in. You know, we, we had these sayings uh, when, when I was younger, uh, certain people would say, the truth hurts. <laughs> I'm going to say maybe it does a little bit. Because the truth begins to show you the purpose of God. And sometimes the purpose of God is not what you thought it was or what I thought it was. And when we first come to this place where we're hearing and seeing the Lord, that purpose of God will maybe be sort of like Jacob. We're going to wrestle to the breaking of a new day, and then we're going to have a new walk. And maybe God's going to be our crutch. You, you know, when we, when we get a hold of it, because we're now in a new day and we're in a new walk. Because we, we get confronted with the word himself. And when we get confronted with the word himself, he doesn't, he doesn't back up and say, well, what you believe is okay. He's like the man with the sword in his hand. He doesn't come and say, well, Brother Wayne, what you believe is okay. And Brother Jim, what you believe is okay. He doesn't come and say that. He comes as captain of the Lord's host, and he sets before us truth. And we're confronted with the truth. And in my walk with the Lord, I had a wrestling that went on with me when I was confronted with the truth. Went on for quite a while. Because, you know, I, I had less information in my head. A lot of things I said I believed. <laughs> and then here, here God starts dealing with me in a very personal way, and I'm confronted with what I thought's true. But I'm confronted by the truth because the Spirit of God begins to show you 
the truth. And this is when you begin to believe. I know you believe in Jesus. You, you believe to be born again. I should say this is when you start. This is where you continue. That's the right word. To believe. Those who continue in my word, they are my disciples. And Brother Mark was dealing a little bit with discipline other night. They are discipled of him. Okay. And see, now I finally get to a scripture in Deuteronomy where we left off last week. Deuteronomy 6. The Lord says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 3, you know, Moses says, you know, spoken of the Lord. Here, therefore, O Israel, observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily. As the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Listen to that. Hear, therefore, and observe to do it. What, what were they hearing? They were hearing the words of the covenant, the words of the law. And they were to hear and observe it, to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers have promised thee. So even, even here, Going back to natural Israel and type and shadow, they were not going to increase mightily of themselves. They were going to increase mightily of the Lord as they heard and observed the word. Okay. So the word that we're hearing and observing, I believe, I, yes, I believe in the Bible. But I believe it is the Spirit of the Lord revealing Christ in you. Now, that's what I believe. And as we hear it and observe to do it, and I think I want to give you a couple of scriptures in light of this. In, in 1 Peter, and this is, this is in the, you could say, the basic levels of salvation, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. It says, and if you call on him as father, who without respect a person judges according to each man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear, knowing that you were redeemed not with corruptible things. See, knowing this, understanding this, aware that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, with silver or gold from your vain manner of life, handed down from your fathers. So we're not redeemed from our vain life, but with precious blood as of a lamb without spot, even the blood of Christ, who was foreknown indeed before the foundation of the world, but was manifested at the ends 
end of the time for your sake, who through him are believers in God. What are we? Believers that raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope or expectation might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another with a heart fervently, having been begotten again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which liveth and abideth. The voice of one saying, cry, and one said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. But the word of the Lord, what does it do? It endures forever. So we've been begotten again through the word of God. Now, the written word declares this. But it's the living word. You know, again, going back to Ephesians 2, it tells you that you're quickened with Christ. So you're quickened through the living word of God. You know, it's really amazing that Jesus is called the word. Because everything written finds its substance in him. Absolutely. Because I could read the letter of it and memorize the letter of it and argue it with people. <laughs> but it's the spirit of, of it, the spirit of life of that word that comes alive in our hearts. Yes, Christ in you, the spirit of life in you, bringing you to see what he sees, to know as he knows. That's what he does. The spirit of life. So, so this is what we're dealing with, is, is the life of God. The inheritance of life. That's an inheritance, folks. Eternal life. The life that was with the Father. The life that you could say that was the Father that was manifest in the earth, seen among men, known, looked upon, John says. The word of life that we've handled, touched. I know, I know John saw Jesus in the flesh. I'm sure touched him in the flesh. You, you, you know he did. He laid his head on his chest. So, so the intimate relationship that, that John had with Christ, I believe as a father, as a brother, as a best friend, 
hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, John, I believe, takes this further because he's talking about seeing this word of life in him, I believe. Some people may not believe that, but I do. That this word that was manifest in the earth that became a man and walked the shores of Galilee is being revealed inside of us. Yes. That word of life. And I'm going to have to turn there and read that in 1 John. I'm just going to, I'm looking at the time, but I'm going to take a little time. That, 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Have we heard that from the beginning? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. Have we begun to hear that word? And John goes on, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. My Lord, for the life was manifest. Here it is. When was it manifested to you and I? Was it just manifested when Jesus walked the shores of Galilee? Or was it manifested when you were quickened with him? Yeah. It was manifested in my heart when I was born again. When, I, when, when the Lord birthed me in Christ, there was such a glorious manifestation of his life. You know, you walk away from that and you say, my sins have been washed away. I've been made whole. Why? Because life came. What happened in what we call the Holy Ghost baptism? Life came. <laughs> what happened in what we call the revelation of Jesus Christ? Life came. Yeah, life. A a touching of life. Our hearts touching life. And then and then we read these scriptures like we're reading here in Deuteronomy to to hear and observe that that we see. And we come right on, on over here, and John talks about what? Hearing and seeing and handling the word of life. See, I, I believe that's what Deuteronomy is talking about, is what's fulfilled in Christ. Very tangible reality. For you and I to live in. In James, the book of James. The book of James. When we look at James, James, James. Well, I don't see the scripture here, but looking into, here it is. 
James 1, 19. Hear and do, I put above it. My beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and every expression of evil and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourselves. For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently continues to stare, continues to gaze, continues to come into the perfect law of freedom, King James says liberty, and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, he will be blessed. What, what's that blessing? All things of Christ in what he does. He will be blessed. That's, if, again, if I go back to the old covenant, that's what God told Israel. If you continue in my word, you keep my word, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless you. Okay? That's what he's telling us. I have blessed you, I have blessed you, I have blessed you. Well, how do we continue in this word? We quote it all the time. We were in this scripture a few weeks ago. And Paul writes in Romans 6, reckon, reckon, account, make an account of it yourselves to be dead. Under sin. Okay. Reckon it so. I ain't telling you you never sin again. I ain't telling you never do anything wrong again. But with the Lord, reckon it so. You know, Lord, I reckon this to be true. I am dead to sin. You crucified. You buried me, and I've been raised up in newness of life. Make an account with the Lord. We talk about believing the word. Well, this is what the Lord says about you. You're dead. <laughs> Your life is here with Christ and God. It's what the Lord says through the Apostle Paul, you are dead. Your life is here with Christ and God. Do you believe that? I am dead. My life is hid with Christ and God. Christ, who is my life, appears in me. So my life is now hid with Christ and God, and this life is made manifest in me. Just like Jesus said, that he would come and make himself manifest in you what he says, John 14. We've read it, read it, read it. That's what he means. 
So we're going to reckon it, just like the Israelites were to account what God said is true. We're going to count as true because we know not just the Bible says so, but we know we've been quickened with his life. We know we've been born again. We know we've experienced God. So we're beginning to agree with the Lord. We're continuing in his word. We're agreeing with him. I'm dead, Father. I'm counting it so. I'm wrecking it. I've ate your flesh and drank your blood. I continue to eat your flesh and drink your blood. It is true of me. It is true of you. And I'm in newness of life. I've never been in life this good. I've never been in life where I'm in peace before I knew the Lord. You know that? Life was turbulent. What we call life. But in knowing the Lord, we live in peace. We live in victory. Yes. We live in the victory of the Lord. This, this is where we're, we, we, we talk about coming to Mount Zion, coming to the city of the king, dwelling in the new Jerusalem. Honey, honey, if, you, if we hear that at all, the new Jerusalem, what, what makes it new? The Lord says in one place, behold, I, I make all things new. So what's different about this Jerusalem than the old Jerusalem? Everything. It's founded upon the Lord himself. The word of covenant is the Lord himself. He is the covenant. He is the word we live out of. He is the abundance, the, the rivers of living water flowing in the city. It's the Lord. And we are recipients of it. We are blessed with it. We're blessed with what he did. We're blessed with what he is. My Lord, I, I, I don't know that we understand how blessed we are. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah, I believe, chapter 40. He says, and this is out of 1 Peter, says in verse 7, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth because the breath of Jehovah bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Now, now listen to this. This word, the word of our God shall stand forever. O thou that tellest good tidings to Zion, get thee up on a high mountain, O thou that tellest good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord Jehovah will come as a mighty one, and his arm will rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, 
and he's recompense. And, and one of the definitions of the word recompense is work and his work, his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead those that have their young, who have measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has done that? Now, now get this. The Lord will come. The word, of the, the word of the Lord will stand forever, endures forever. And, and he comes down, behold your God, the Lord Jehovah will come. And his arm will rule for him. His arm. Okay, where do you find the arm of the Lord at in your scripture? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. And how does Isaiah, Isaiah 53 start? Who hath done what? Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord, of Jehovah, revealed? So the arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord is a person. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. What's the dry ground? Would it be the nation of Israel? Would it be Judah? Yeah. So he grows up as that tender plant. And here's the victory. If you read all of Isaiah 53, you come into the victory. He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Not that Jesus ever did anything wrong. He didn't. Oh, hallelujah. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Made whole. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of his all. You, you want to see the grace of God? You want to hear the mercy of God? He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He, he is brought as a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? Thank God he's given us a voice to declare his life. Hallelujah. For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. We are God's people. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see the travail of his soul. Do, you, do we understand we are the travail of his soul? That the travail of his soul is the church of the living God, that he brought forth the church of the living God through his death, burial, and resurrection. A people were born in a day. A people came forth to the Lord through the work. His work is with him. His recompense is with him. His reward or his recompense is before him. His reward is with him. It's all going to prosper in his hand. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Do we see this? Hallelujah. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, well, I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Let the weak say they're strong. He's their strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for transgressions or transgressors. Now, if I go on into the next chapter, because usually we stop there. But I'm going to go on. Seeing old barren that did not bear, bring, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Why? Because the Lord brought it forth. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of the habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. Why? Because the fullness of God is in Christ, and you are found in him. Just keep reading there. Because the work he's done is he's brought a creation forth in himself that's going to eat the goodness of the land, that's going to live in what he's done. That's what we're to live in is what he's done. Well, how do we possess that? we believe comes to the simplicity who hath believed our report we abide in it sometimes it may sound silly but we may say to things the truth is i am dead and christ is my life the truth is i live in him now that may sound silly sometimes but isn't that what he said back in the old covenant to, to make the word what frontlets? Put it up on your doorpost, put it up on your house, teach it to your children. Sure. So the word that we're teaching to our children is Christ. We've died with him and we're raised with him into newness of life. See, everybody has to enter that door. Just like the Israelites. You can't come but through that door. And when you come into that door, Jesus says, I am the door. And he brings us into his life. That's what he does. Now, this to me, folks, is inheritance. Jesus inherited what? Fullness of God. A name above every name. Seated at the right hand of the Father. You can go on and on. King of kings, Lord of lords. You can go on and on in his inheritance. Yeah. 
You are joint heirs. You're joined to the inheritance of the Lord. Doesn't mean you overtake his inheritance. But you're participant, participating in what he's done. Anyway, we'll continue this next week. May the Lord richly bless you and bless us all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.